Good morning, church. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. Good to be back with you again, only for two Sundays, but that's better than nothing, huh? <laughs> I mean, for me, anyway, it may not be for you. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but <laughs> we, miss, we miss you guys when we're not, uh, we don't get to be with you. Um, if you want to read along with me, uh, Job, in the book of Job, chapter 38. Job chapter 38. And I'll be reading the first 15 verses. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it may take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those in a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. The Word of God for the people of God. Um, Church, I believe you would agree with me that this, this time of year is the most beautiful time uh, in our state. Now, I know the leaves haven't peaked here uh, yet. I was just looking out the window and I see a lot of green uh, still. Uh, but this past Tuesday, uh, Nancy's birthday, and we uh, uh, decided to go do some uh, leaf peaking. And we drove up to Snowshoe. We had never, neither one of us had ever been there. So we drove up to Snowshoe. And man, I'm telling you what the truth, absolutely gorgeous. The leaves up there are absolutely gorgeous. There was, there was one stretch of road. I'm not sure exactly where we were. I guess we were in Pocahontas County somewhere. And, and it was a straight stretch of road. It must have went for a mile and a half or so. And they've been paving roads up there. So it was real black, this asphalt was. And, and on both sides of the highway, the trees, I mean, it, it looked like a black ribbon cutting through a box of Crayola crayons. That's about the only way I can explain it. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. It, it, it was beautiful. Uh, and I know some of you probably been to Hawk's Nest. We haven't, we haven't been there yet. Um, but you go to Hawk's Nest, walk out on the cliff and look down into the New River. Uh, beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. And, and they, ha- they have, uh, at Hawk's Nest, they have these uh, binoculars, right? You put 25 cents in it. And you can look at the river up real close, or you can look at the mountains real close. Uh, but you know what? I, to me, I, that's just a waste of a quarter. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And you may know why I'm going to say. I mean, I mean, when you when you focus in on just one mountain or one section of the mountain, then you miss the beauty of the river. 
And when you focus in on just the river, then you miss the beauty of the mountain, right? Uh, while we were at Snowshoe last week, I mean, I took several pictures, and uh, Nancy put some of them on Facebook. Um, but, man, a picture is just not like the real thing. It's just not. I mean, in a picture, you can't capture everything that's there. You just can't. You, you, you can't capture the, the, the temperature uh, of that day or, or, or the smell of fall. There's no other time of year that smells like, to me, like this time, and my, and my smeller is not as good as it used to be. But it's still, I mean, no other time smells like this time of year. Uh, and a picture just doesn't capture all of that. Uh, you, I mean, when you just focus on one tree, now hang in here with me, when you just focus on one tree or one river or just one mountain, that's not the way it was meant to be. We should focus on all of God's creation, Right? Focus on all of it. Because when you focus on just one part, you miss so much. And church, the same thing is true with another gift that God has given us, the gift of life. Amen? Now, uh, you know what? This life is so short, isn't it? I, you know, I think I'm old enough now that I can say that. I'm 69 years old. I think I'm old enough that I can say life is so very short. And, and, and we miss, we, we allow precious, short-lived days to go by when we focus on just one part of it, our difficulties. When we focus on our troubles and our hardships, what did James say? James In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 14, he said, What is your life? He said, You are but a mist that appears just for a little while and then vanishes it away. When, when you look at life from an eternal perspective, we're really not here very long, are we? We're not. So, so when difficult times come our way, and they will, they, they will come our way uh, for all of us, how do we deal with it? Well, a lot of times when difficult times comes our way, we say, why me? Right? Why, I mean, why is this happening to me? And the Old Testament account of Job reveals something to us. It reveals some, that, that we get the answer to why. I mean, and, and sometimes it's not given, but sometimes the better answer is given. Because the answer comes when you and I remember who we are. Okay, and now, now I know, I know some people by nature, I know they are worriers, okay? My mother was, Whew, the world's worst. I'm telling you, I mean, I, she, she, I remember one time she told me, she said how worried she was. And I said, Mom, what are you worried about? And she said, I don't know. <laughs> that was her, <laughs> she said, I don't know, I'm just worried, okay? Uh, I, th this, this is what someone once said, listen to this. My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. It's true, isn't it? And there's a study that proves that. In fact, they did a study last year, uh, last year, and what they did was they took a group of people and they asked them to write down, every time they had a worry about something, to write it down, what the worry was, and then to write down what eventually happened. You know what they discovered? 85% of the things that people worried about never happened. And I have read that there were studies where actually it's much higher than that. It's in like the 90% range of things that never happened. 
So you and I need to remember what Jesus said. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6 and 27? Who are you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? None of us, right? Church, we are people who do not have the answer to all of life's problems. We don't. We just don't have that. There, there, was, a, uh, there was a little girl who was traveling with her father. He was on a, he was on a business trip. And she went with him once. And, and they were in a conversation. They were on a train. They were getting close to, to getting off. To, they were close to home. And, and just out of the blue in this conversation, she looked at her dad and she said, Dad, what is sex sin? Well, it kind of took him by surprise. And his eyes got big and he didn't say anything for a second. And he retched up in the overhead rack and he pulled down a suitcase that was full of watches and watch parts that he used for his business. And very heavy. And he set it down. And he told his little girl, said, uh, carry this off the train for me. Well, she rushed down and started to pick it up. She couldn't move it. And she said, well, Dad, I, I can't. It's too heavy. He said, I know. And it would be a very poor father that would ask his little girl to carry such a heavy load. And he set her down and he looked at her and he said, it's the same way with knowledge. Some knowledge is just too heavy for children to carry. So until you get to the age where you can carry it, just trust me to carry it for you. In church, that's what you and I need to do when it comes to the problems and difficulties in life that we have no answer for. We trust God to carry that for us. Right? We trust God to carry it for us because, because they're too heavy for us. Church, we, we don't have all the answers to the difficulties in life. And a lot of times if we're not careful in a hurry to try to comfort someone or to give someone some peace, we'll give real quick answers that really don't help much. Just like the family that lost a son uh, in a motorcycle accident. And, and during the wake one night, a, a lady came up and said, well, you know, God just needed another flower in his garden. That doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. A couple weeks ago, uh, my first cousin, Ed Gonch, uh, lost his son, 51 years old, just totally unexpected, had a heart attack at 51, dropped dead in the middle of the night. And as soon as I found out, I, I called the house, and uh, Ed was in no condition to talk on the phone. He just couldn't. So I talked to his wife for a little bit, and church, I can promise you that I did not have words to say that took the hurt away. It's just impossible. But what I did say to her was this. I said, Marilyn, I am at a loss for words, and it's going to take me a while to process this myself. But I just want to tell you that Nancy and I are praying for you. Nancy and I are praying for you. We don't have all the answers to the difficulties of life. And I want you to notice in this story of Job that Job's friend, they had some quick answers, didn't they, to what Job was going through here. And then they, they offered the customary, uh, you might say, wisdom of the day, okay? They would say to Job, well, Job, we know that sin brings adversity and righteousness brings prosperity. So, Job, you sin." Somewhere along the line, you have sinned. Well, Job didn't know exactly what was going on in his life, but he wasn't buying that for a second. So what does Job do? Job wants an audience with God so that he can plead his case before the Almighty. 
Listen to what he says. Job says, this is Job chapter 31, verse 35. Oh, that I had someone to hear me. I sign now my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. Job is demanding a judicial hearing before God. I mean, what, what would cause anyone to challenge God in such a way or demand anything from God? You see, when misfortune and misery and grief comes our way, it's so easy for you and I to slip into pride. What have I ever done to deserve this? Have you ever said that? <laughs> I have. Yeah, I, I have. I, I've said, you know, when, uh, back in the 1980s, uh, the, the coal industry went bust and, and I lost my job and we tried, we struggled here in West Virginia. We tried to hang in here, but we couldn't. We ended up having to move to Virginia. And right before we moved, I remember talking to my dad and I, I, was, I said something to dad like, you know, I know I haven't been the best person in the world, but I'm not the worst either. Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to go through this? When we go through difficult times, those times can seem so overwhelming. You know why? Because that's all we're focused on, right? We're just focused on that problem, that one little part of life. Why me? So Job is demanding a hearing before God. Job wants some answers from God. And, and if you read the book of Job, which I'm, I'm sure you probably have, if you read the book of Job, you'll notice God's not saying much in this, is he? I mean, Job is, I mean, God is kind of directly absent from the whole thing for the longest time. You don't hear anything from God. And, and, and we read nothing where, where God does anything to, to directly comfort him or, or speak to him. He, he's just absent through all of this. And over that period of time, Job is aching. Job is hurting. He's longing to hear something, anything from God. So God now is going to settle this dispute. And, and, and you see what Job wants, Job wants for God to prove him right, to prove Job right. That, that's what he wants. I, he wants God to give an explanation for all of these afflictions that he's going through. The friends of Job, they want God to prove them right. Tell Job he sinned. Tell him he has sinned. However, what God's going to do, he's not going to satisfy either one of them. He's not going to satisfy either one of them with, with an explanation. So Job is demanding this hearing before God. But what, God, but what Job gets is not what he was expecting, is it? It's not. Listen to God's reply. This is Job chapter 38, verses 2 and 3. This is God replying to Job. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I'll question you, and you shall answer me. Job had insisted that God give him some answers. But now what's God doing? God's kind of turning the tables on him, right? He's turning the table on Job. Job needs to answer some questions before God. And what God does here, is, is, if, you, if you read this scripture, I mean, it is absolutely mind-blowing because God puts on display right in front of Job, he puts on display the mysteries of creation, the mysteries of creation that still to this very day defy explanation. You know, I read uh, two, three weeks ago, 
I read where uh, a scientist, with, with the help of the Hubble telescope, it said they are finding black holes in the universe, now listen to this, that are 500 light years wide. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't even wrap my mind around 500 light years. I mean, I can't even wrap, I mean, sometimes I can't even wrap my mind around going to Myrtle Beach, all right? 500 light years wide? And then they go on, and then they said they've also discovered six galaxies in space uh, that, are, that are dead that have baffled the experts. With all of our knowledge, with all the computer knowledge that we have, with all the space travel that we've done over the decades, these mysteries of the universe still today baffle the scientific community. And what does God do? He puts all of this, all of creation on display right in front of Job. And listen to what he says. This is verses uh, 4 and 7. God says to Job, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimension? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shout for joy? Skipping down to verse 34. Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who endowed the heart with wisdom and gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of heaven when the dust becomes hard and clots of earth stick together? Job, where were you when I did all of this? Well, the answer is pretty clear, isn't it? <laughs> Job's nowhere to be found when God is doing all of this. You see, God is from everlasting to everlasting in his power and his wisdom and his might. And Job... Job could never be considered to be on the same level as God. God is saying to Job, Job, if you can answer these questions, then you're in a position to ask me a question. But if you're not, you can't demand anything from me. Now, let me stop right here. Just, just for a second. No, no, what? Have anybody here, have you ever been to, uh, have you ever been to Disney World or, uh, or the island in Tennessee and rode the ride that's called Soaring. Anybody? Nancy, I know Nancy has. Okay. There is a ride in, in Disney World, and they just put one in Tennessee this past year. They've been working on it for a couple years. The same people uh, put it all together. If you are ever there, you have got to ride this ride. Out of all, everything we rode at Disney World, I think that blew our mind. And there's a lot of rides at Disney World, Okay. This one blew our minds more than anything. And, 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 and this thing, this ride, is so realistic that if you get motion sickness, you can't ride it. You can't. You, you, you can't ride this thing. Because what it does, it makes you feel like you're on a hang glider, okay? And then you're in this IMAX theater setting. Everywhere you look, you see these landmarks all over America it takes you all different places all over America and you're flying over top of them and it's so real that when you come across a mountain you raise your feet up because you think your foot's going to hit that mountaintop. That, that, that's how real, right Nancy? That, I mean that's how real. Our, our, our uh, daughter-in-law, Abby, she can't ride it. 
She can't. It makes her sick. She didn't make her sick. She, she has terrible motion sickness. So, so uh, you know, I, all of a sudden, that's what I think is happening here. I, and this is just my opinion, okay? I think God has placed Job in this, in this trance or whatever, and it's like Job is in this IMAX theater, and all of creation is coming before Job. All the mysteries of creation are right in front of him, and he's overwhelmed by it all. And Job understands something now. Job understands that God, guess what? He knows what he's doing. Amen? God, God knows what he's doing, and God is in total control of it all, everything. And the questions God has for Job are simply questions that Job can't answer. He just cannot answer them. And they were meant to show Job, you know what, Job, you have no right to demand anything from me, God says. You might say that God is saying to Job, Job, remember who you are. And remember who I am, God is saying. Remember who I am. This statement also reminds us that God did lay the foundation of the earth, right? Just as it says in Genesis chapter 1. And, and, and let me stop right here just for, for a second, just, just to add this. I don't think we really should look at this as only God rebuking Job, okay? I don't think that's all that's happening here because, again, if you've read the story, you know that, that Job's greatest fear was that God had abandoned him. And now he knows that he hasn't. God has not abandoned him. And Job understands that, that although he's still suffering... He can face whatever it might be because the Almighty God who created all of this is still with him and had not abandoned him. God, God is church. God is with us. Amen? In our times of suffering. He, he is with us in our times of suffering. My first cousin, we went to the wake uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, this past Friday, I think it was. And I just put my arms around my cousin and I gave him a hug and he said, and I said, I said, man, I'm praying for you. And he said, that is the only reason I can stand here right now. That's the only reason I can stand here. God will not abandon us in times of suffering. And when you and I think that we know better than God, why me? Why am I going through this? When we think that we know better than God, how life should go, And we need to remember what God showed to Job. Where were you? Where were you, God might say to you and I? Where were you when I delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt? Huh? Where, where, where were you when I caused the Virgin Mary to conceive and bring forth the Savior of the world? Where were you on that day when I said, Lazarus, come forth? Where were you on the day when they nailed me to the cross and all of life had left my body and three days later I put it back? Where were you when I did all of that, church? You and I have never been able to do any of these things, but guess what? We serve a God who can. Amen? We serve a God who can, and he reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to, to his purpose. God was telling Job the same thing he tells us. Remember who you are and remember who I am. 
You see, church, we, we shouldn't just focus on one small part of life, our problems and our troubles. Look, look, look at the whole picture. Look at the whole picture. God who is from everlasting to everlasting, and he's saying to us in times of trouble, if I was God then, I'm still God today. If I can handle problems, then I can still handle them today. We get the answer to life's difficult problems when you and I remember who God is. Job realized that what he really needed was for the all-powerful one to become the all-present one in his time of suffering. And the psalmist tells us that in Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes our, our suffering has a, a recognizable purpose, you might say. But man, there are times when we go through things and we say, why in the world? Why is this happening? Why, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my, to my family? But what God wants us to do is focus on the big picture. Look at all the things that God has done, things that utterly astound us that God has done. And remember, God can still today do beyond the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. God, whose wisdom staggers the mind, tells us that he has adopted us into his family. He is our heavenly father. He loves us more than any earthly father could ever love us. And when we look at all that God has done, as God asked Job to do here, the only logical response is God knows what God's doing. In closing... I read back uh, in World War II, at the end of World War II, uh, when the uh, Liberation Forces, they were going through Europe, and they, uh, they, they were going into these prisons, and they walked, and you may have heard this before, but they, they went into one of these prisons where people had been held captive until they would execute them, kill them. And written on the wall of one of these prisons, they found this. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe in the day, even when it's dark. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. Whatever it is that may be troubling you today, whatever it is that caused you not to get a good night's sleep last night, whatever it is that's causing you to, to focus in on this one small area of life, causing you to miss all the beauty that's around you, whatever it is, remember this, God is for you. Amen? God is for you. And if God is for us, then who of any significance could ever be against us? No one. Right? No one. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Lord, we thank you. You are the God of all creation. Lord, you are the God that can absolutely do the impossible. As the angel told Mary, when he told her that she would conceive and bring forth the Savior of the world... The angel said, nothing is impossible with God. Lord, all of us go through times of trouble and worry and times of doubt and fear. But Lord God, help us to look at the big picture. Help us not to focus in on, on, on these one little small areas of life, but help us remember who you are. 
the God that eventually helped Job through his situation. Be with us, Lord. I, I don't know anyone's heart here this morning. I don't know what anyone may be going through. But Lord, if there's someone here this morning that needs to, to have a little talk with you, I pray that they would do that. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.